Today on Lockdown Red Wings, we bring on Greg Rivak of the Hockey IQ podcast and newsletter to do a little bit of a breakdown on Red Wings and players' first half of the season. You're Locked On Red Wings, your daily podcast on the Detroit Red Wings, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Lockdown Red Wings podcast. We are your hosts, Brian Fisher and Scotty Bentley. I am a podcast producer for the Daily J, WWJ News Radio podcast. Well, Scotty's the host over at Lockdown Tigers. I pointed this way because to me, you're that way, but I'm now realizing to everyone else, you're this way. Uh, Lockdown Tigers, as well as a freelance journalist for the Detroit News. And today we are joined by Greg Rivak. He is a coach. He is the host of the Hockey IQ podcast and newsletter, and it's the first time you've ever been on to talk with us, Greg. We've kind of been back and forth a couple times now about talking about getting you on. And then this last week, you hit me up and it was like, oh, yeah, perfect timing with the All-Star break coming up to finally get you on. And with it being the halfway marker of the season, man, it's just the perfect opportunity to bring you in to kind of get a more in-depth breakdown on certain players and how they're performing and if they're underperforming as well. Before we get to any of that, how are you? I'm doing well. Um, as a wealth advisor in my normal life, let me tell you, it's quite busy uh, doing that plus coaching and doing, like you said, writing a newsletter and hosting a podcast. But I am doing well, man. This is a fun time of the year. A lot of things are happening. We all get to reflect and look forward to what's next and what happened. So this is this is beautiful timing. Love it. Yeah, I'm really excited to have you on because just last week, Michael Rasmussen, scored an electric uh, goal during the game and then had an electric assist in overtime for the Red Wings in their win over the, was it the Montreal Canadiens and those beautiful powder blue uniforms that they have uh, as the reverse retros. And this is how this whole bringing you on started as we had a little back and forth on Twitter and then we DM'd each other. And then you wrote a newsletter about Michael Rasmussen and his edge work and that play in particular as well as amongst other things. What in Michael Rasmussen's game have you seen as a reason why? I mean, we already talked beforehand, so we are all in agreement that Michael Rasmussen is taking a huge step forward so far. But what have you seen in particular that's been the most impactful towards his improvement? It's how he uses his skills. Like his skills have gotten to a point that are really good and really smooth, especially for a gentleman his size. But it's not enough just to have the skills. Um, and every hockey player on any hockey team can tell you someone who was more talented than they were, but they weren't as good. Um, and I think that's the cool part about Rasmussen is how he utilizes his skills. Um, he still has a, a ways to go. Um, I think he can really, really find an extra gear. Um, but I love how he's finding ways to use his skills. Like, for example, the goal that we were talking about, um, he was like coming in and all he needed to do is do a little shave of ice and it was like a small little reroute that was unbelievably tiny but it just timed out the play where he was able to get the puck with some speed and be able to attack and not go off sides really small huge difference uh so that's the exciting part is like how he's using his skills and figuring out the timing 
Um, and, and this comes back for me to the difference between a player and a practice player. Practice players, that guy is toe drags every single day. looks phenomenal. Coach is like, oh, look at that great toe drag and bar down. Awesome. And then you see him in a game and all he does is toe drag, toe drag, toe drag. <laughs> well, there's kind of a little bit more than just like the physical skills and motor ability. Like you have to be able to read and time out everything. So these environmental cues are massive. He's taking a massive step forward with that. Not to mention that in practice, your teammates don't, aren't normally going to lay you out for trying a toe drag too often, but in game time, a little bit different. Go ahead, Scotty. <laughs> well, I, I think another thing that we've talked about a lot on this show within his development throughout this season has been the utilization of his size. Like that was something that early on, like he was just viewed at as like this really big dude. And that's why he went in the first round and everybody had expectations of like what he could become. And, I think this season, I guess dating back, starting really in the second half of last season, but we've seen it a lot this year too, uh, just how much more, like honestly, just like comfortable he looks on the ice. And and so I just wanted to highlight that and get your thoughts on that. Like what, uh, just with how he utilizes how big he is out there on the forward line, like how is that helping his development as well? Yeah, and it's... With big guys, it's tough because you're almost like a tree and everyone has to operate around you. So you don't have to maybe see some of the little details and the nuances. Um, but then you get guys like Tage Thompson where they take that step forward and they start thinking like a smaller guy and they're getting lower. They're getting underneath guys or they're at least focusing on body positioning first and boxing out and utilizing the skills. Uh, so I wouldn't say he's a Tage Thompson, you know, that guy's a bit of a freak, but maybe a third line Tage Thompson and how he's starting to utilize his, his skills and his assets. Another thing I noticed too, especially with Rasmussen is his speed has gotten, I feel like he's so much faster this season than he was last year. And I don't know if that's just because of, like you say, he's much better taking environmental cues and getting into space to utilize his speed. But you know, when it comes to at, at this point in somebody's career and he's still young, but he's a professional. What does it say about a player where they can still, they still have that ability to kick it up a notch? I mean, I feel like so many players, once they hit the show, there's a short window for them to become what they are. And he's been in the league now for, I think this is what his fifth year, fourth or fifth year. And he's still growing And this. You know, we saw it starting last year. And now I feel like his speed is still taking that huge step forward. Well, you also have a really interesting development staff in Detroit, right? You had Brandon Narado for a long time which he is just doing unbelievably well at the University of Michigan. Uh, probably the, the most interesting and best system outside of the NHL right now. So, like, you're talking about the right things. So he's always talking about educating and getting better. Then you bring in Dwayne Blay this most recent season. You know, he, he's an absolute legend in the, in the London, Ontario. He used to be flown out by Washington Capitals, like, once or twice a month to work with their guys and go out to Hershey. So, like – you're also thinking about from the organizational standpoint of like putting these guys in great environments to grow and learn and get better where it's no longer, Oh, I've just gotten to the show. Like I'm done. Like, no, Oh, I'm to the show. Like how can I increase my role? How can I get a little bit better? You know, how can I turn myself in from a million into a millionaire into a multimillionaire, you know, just from longevity and being able to evolve and stay in the league and keep up with the nuances that continue to sprout up every three, four or five years. I think another thing too is Michael Rasmussen has been a phenomenal surprise for Red Wings fans, including Scotty and I, because we were we like to claim that we were on that train before people realized he was get, he was getting a lot better. Um, 
what other players on the Red Wings have kind of stood out to you as surprises this season in good or bad ways? Uh, I mean, everyone can say Lucas Raymond, but that's pretty obvious. Uh, I, for me, Jonathan Bergeron is like the most interesting player in the NHL right now. Like, I think he's doing things that you're going to see some of like the superstars copy. Like, I, I've talked to some guys in the NHL, and they're they're not not looking at this kid. Like, the way he routes himself around the ice, the areas he finds himself are really interesting and how he goes about his business is super interesting. It's not just the production that you kind of see or just, you know, like half his goals. He's just like, Oh, I got lucky. Look at this puck. Ha ha. It found me. But luck is residue of design in the way that he goes about his game. Just spews. I'm going to get lucky constantly. Raymond, man, like that's, that's one that early on this season, I think a lot of the fan base, was I guess him and Cider, you know, if we want to have that conversation too. A, a lot of people in the fan base were kind of like like sophomore slump was like like the hitter word, right? Like the key word that everyone talked about was like, oh, like that's you know, whatever. And um Raymond has definitely picked up the production a lot. And honestly, both of them in the last like two or three weeks have picked up the production a lot. But that was a I don't want to say a worry, but like that was something that that a lot of people talked about early on and and his I guess my question is, like, is it because of those, I don't know, even mid-game or game-to-game adjustments, like, for him that caused the spike in, in production, you know, in the mid, not midway, but close to, like, later on in the season? Or is it just, the, like, his style of play is going to lead to some hot streaks and some cold streaks? Like, what do you think you can attribute to that? I mean, just getting some consistent time with line mates, I feel like – um, like Bertuzzi was out for quite some time and yeah. it may not seem like a lot, but he does a lot of the dirty work. You know, sometimes guys need to be in good spots with good line mates and helps it out um, a ton. I mean, I think uh, was it cider just got rid of his defensive partner and found a new <laughs> one. <laughs> and it's been a lot yeah. better since then. Um, yeah. Which yeah. We like, can talk about it segment too, for sure. <laughs> yeah. So like that, I mean, there's that component to it. It's, it's not just on the player. It's also the environment of players in like, you know, for my own game, I was 160 pounds and five foot 10. Let me tell you, uh, I did a lot better when I had a guy who was six foot four, 220 on my wing compared to other guys that were five foot nine, 140. Uh, so there, there's a lot of environmental factors that play into it, not just your skill set alone. Um, and the NHL is not an easy league as, as you can expect. So that that's going to be massive. But uh, Lucas Raymond is class and, and class never fades. Uh, form is temporary, but class is forever. All right, so we'll take a quick uh, break, and when we come back, we'll get back into interviewing Greg Revick of the Hockey IQ podcast and newsletter. But first, I got to talk to you guys today about FanDuel. This year, the only app you need at your Super Bowl pa- party is FanDuel, America's number one sports book. We're really excited about our new sports betting partner for Lockdown because they're the number one sports book in America, FanDuel. And if you're new to FanDuel, that's even better. They have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. Download FanDuel now so you can bet Super Bowl 57 with a no-sweat first bet. You'll get up to $3,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. FanDuel lets you bet on everything from the money line to point spreads to who will score the first touchdown. The FanDuel Sportsbook app is safe, secure, and super easy to use. Best of all, you can get paid your winnings instantly. So join FanDuel today. 
um, at FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to claim your first no-sweat first bet on Super Bowl 57. That's FanDuel.com slash LockedOn. Make every moment more with FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NFL. Segment two, Lockdown Red Wings podcast. We are joined by Greg Rivek, the host of the Hockey IQ podcast and the writer of its newsletter uh, by the same name. And we're talking Lucas Raymond. And I'm sorry, Greg. I'm sure you want to talk about other guys. But you you said something really interesting um, back when I asked you who was the biggest surprise, either positively or negatively. And then you just said Lucas Raymond. And you is he? I'm assuming at this point he's a good surprise because Scotty pointed out early in the season there were talks, even from us a little bit, that he may be having a sophomore slump. So are you are you in camp? He's a good surprise then. Uh, I'm a man of details. Uh, I mean, that's the whole newsletter and podcast thing is like how can we do things better? And you know, it's all in the details. And the details add up. Uh, you know, watch his game closely, and he keeps adding little nuances, little flavors to it that push the play forward. While it may take a step back from other things that you traditionally be like, oh, yeah, that's great. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I think Bill Walsh was the guy who wrote a book. It's called like the score takes care of itself. And if you just focus on the process, eventually the score takes care of itself. Like the or the law of large numbers, you know, you're doing the right things. Eventually you're going to get, you know, have it pay off for you. So uh, that's kind of like the Raymond thing for me is like, I see new nuances into his game that allow you to have a B game, a C game, even a D level game where no matter what the opposition has, you're going to slowly, but surely have an answer for it. Uh, and if you even look at Patrick Kane, when he started in the league, similar trajectory here, um, obviously that's high praise. We'll see if you can actually hit it, but like you just adding layers and nuances, like Patrick Kane is now like the King of the delay game. You go back to juniors, he did not have a delay game. I promise you, if you go back and watch his first through third year, you can see the evolution and how he added the nuances into his game as it went along. And I find Lucas Raymond's kind of doing similar things. I want to, unless you have anything else on Raymond, Brian, I I think I want to kind of transition over into cider too. We talked about a little bit before the break. And um, that was, again, like in in a similar breath, like somebody that a lot of people in the fan base were like, oh, like the production hasn't really been there in the first like 20, 30 games of the season. And then as you pointed out before the break, he had a new defensive pairing mate. And all of a sudden the production kind of, took a took a big step forward and and obviously switched out Sherratt who he was with for the first however many 25 30 games and then it's been Jake Wallman recently so uh, I just want to get your opinion whether it's on this season specifically or his career as a whole and just kind of riff about uh, Cider for a little bit yeah well let's start with this year and the defensive partner switch like massive massive difference uh with defensive partners like with a, a line you at least have one or two guys you can work off. Like if one guy sucks and doesn't play into your strengths, maybe you still have another guy. The defensive pair, it's a one for one. Like it's either going to work or it's not going to work. And you think about how you can get pucks. If a guy's going glassing out or doesn't have the vision or the ability to make a lot of plays, like are you really going to jump up into spaces that are going to allow you to have success, especially if you're looking at production numbers, um, all of that? Like there was a great play Cider had. I forget. It was probably three or four games ago where he made a dish DDD partner. Right? So he was like going back and he just wheeled up and Wallman just split the four checkers with the pass and he's going up far side. I'm like, that's the difference right there. 
he's having the ability to put himself into spots that he normally wouldn't do because he's not trusting his defensive partner or that guy can't make the play. So, you know, I need to position myself in case, you know, this puck goes up and out and I need to gap up and defend again. So you're finding yourself being put in different spots, different situations. How are you getting the puck? Like all of these things matter and they all add up into your success and what could look like yeah, Cider's having a weak year is really like uh, he is having a really good year. If you put it in context of who he's with and how he's playing that situation. Uh, I mean, context is everything, especially with, with defensive partners and pairs. Uh, Scotty and I said, when that, when that change happened, we said chemistry matters. And he and Sherratt just didn't have the chemistry. They didn't have, they weren't on the same wavelength when they played together. Um, but I also want to ask you about his new defensive partner, uh, Jake Woolman. And this is a very loaded question. And we are all very excited about Jake Woolman. Is he legit or is this just a flash in the pan? You think? What would be your end all expectation would be the question I have back at that because, because Wallman himself, if you watch his game, it is more of a guy who's willing to hold on to the puck, mm-hmm. absorb pressure and make a play, or he'll absorb it, walk around you and then make a play. So you're, you're leaning into the idea of what is a ceiling? How do you get there from an on puck standpoint? He does a great job being pretty deceptive the off puck guys getting under him a little bit more, a little more suspect, but from an on puck, he's got some really interesting elements. We're going to be like, Hmm, this guy is going to be good. Or at worst, he's increasing his value where you can get future assets. That you just finished off. Cause we did a whole episode last week on he's pending UFA, but he's having a great year. And Steve Eisenman just acquired him as a G six UFA. Then eventually he reclaimed his RFA status. Cause he played the rest of his uh, rest of the season. So he played enough games to be remain in RFA. You know, does Eisenman, if, if you were in Eisenman's shoes, you as a, as a, a newsletter writer, a podcast uh, host, a, a coach, a player, when you look at Wallman, are you think, thinking this is a guy I should re-sign, or are you looking at the Red Wings rebuild and going, they still needs time? Or are you dealing him? Man, that's a tough question because right, you're starting to get to the <laughs> you're, you're starting to get to the idea of like the behind the scenes stuff. If you're looking at just general progressions of where players are, how do they fit into systems? He's kind of like an like a Chernak down in Tampa, like solid guy could be there for cups and do really well and be on their bottom pair or second pair. Uh, First pair is definitely stretching it, but do you match up timelines? Where is he going to be in his career? How is he going to go? What kind of player can you get? Is there opportunity? I mean, there's so many little aspects to it. Um, Just what is the market going to bring back? And what do I think I can get out of him? What are his work habits? At the end of the day, you're only as good as how quick you can learn and adapt. So I, it's the ultimate no answer to a question like that, but I mean, he's well, a great we, asset to currently have. And especially if you have him under RFA status and being able to either deal him or keep him and continue to develop, I think either way it's a win. Well, he will be a UFA at the end of this year. He was only an oh. RFA at the end of last year. So that's where it comes questionable. It's like, will he try test the market? Cause he's having a great year. It's, it is a very nuanced question and we had a whole debate about it. Scotty and I are on side, like, you know, he doesn't have a long track record track record of success, so you probably won't be breaking the bank to try and re-sign him. But he has shown enough of an upside that he's worth taking, you know, 
re-signing, but then you know, you, we don't know what he would be asking for. So well, then that's ex- where the big question is. Yeah, if he gets expensive, go take Josh Mahura out of Florida and you'll be yeah. just fine. Right. All right, go ahead, Scotty. No, I mean, I, I think with all of the talk, like defensively <laughs> of outsider and pairings and whatnot, I think I, I want to try and just look at the team, the defensive unit as a whole. And like one of the big problems with the wings all season has just been how honestly terrible the defense has been. And um, I, I think I just want your input on the team's current defensive situation because like it, it's, and Brian and I talk about it all the time. It's not, they're not giving up like 35, 40, 45, whatever shots at night. Like it's not like they're giving up ridiculous shot totals, but like every shot against is high danger. And it's like, it's just consistently leaving the goalie out to dry. And um, the, I mean, the goalie situation is its own thing with this team. So I, I think I just want your like, like outlook as a whole of the, this team's defense going forward, because I think it's probably the biggest question mark of the team on January 31st. They're awful. <laughs> Thank right. You. All right. Only, only mod in particular is awful. Uh, Ben Sherratt is a terrible contract. Um, overall question little, mark for sure yeah ronick's all right uh lindstrom I'll, I'll manage but let's let's be honest like that left side is rough so yeah. well and we walked into last off season going well can't get much worse and i mean if we're okay let's be honest it's better than last year they're they're 19th in the league at corsi against i don't know how much i don't know how much stock anyone puts into corsi but as a baseline for you know what to a number to look at that's that's one of them but they're better than the defensive system man yeah it's well and you know what and this is where i think i'll tease segment three here i want to talk to you about the coaching staff because you're a coach yourself um you 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 got pod you have the hockey iq podcast and newsletter and i want to ask your thoughts on the coaching staff thus far because scotty and i we're not coaches we it's hard for us to grade a coaching staff in its first year, especially when your head coach is a first year head coach. So I want to talk to you about that in segment three, but first I got to talk to you guys today about athletic greens. Our next partner is a product you got to use every day. Start taking AG one because with one delicious scoop of AG one, you're absorbing 75 high quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source, superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day. Right. The special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging, all those things. It's lifestyle-friendly. Whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free, it contains less than one gram of, gram of sugar, no GMOs, and no nasty chemicals or artificial anything, and it costs less than $3 a day. You're investing in your health, and it's cheaper than your cold brew habit. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. I don't mean to derail everything. Um, Bo Horvat just got traded. What? <laughs> In the middle of recording this, he is a Vancouver. He, it's Vancouver and the Islanders is the trade. It's involving uh, there's a first round pick in there. Atu Rati, who I mean we talked about and previewed when he was in his draft here a couple of years ago. Oh. 
So, yeah. We, we talked about that, though, Scotty, yesterday or two days, Friday, Friday's episode. That they need scoring. Uh, they don't. They don't score goals. And Bo Horvat's not like a superstar goal scoring, but he's a very talented player. So that actually kind of makes sense for them. But giving up Baturati, and he's a twenty-three first. That's crazy. Well, okay. Well, Greg, first impressions on that trade. <laughs> Horvat is talented. He will help them score more. <laughs> yes, which they desperately. No, I mean, like, like he, <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's an unbelievable talent. Uh, if you fit under the cap, I mean, that's the really issue in the island is can you fit them under the cap uh so if they think they can do it god bless that's a good trade uh all, all about that so man that's that's good news you, you wish he would have been in uh, detroit i don't think he's on the right timeline for where they want to be and where we need to be as, as the red wings but you know to each their own also given that return like that i mean like you just said like we're at a point in the rebuild where i'm not sure we're, we're we are really in the business of giving up first round picks and highly regarded prospects. I think those are things that we're probably still looking to hold on to a team like the Islanders who has their core and are struggling mightily to get into the playoffs is probably willing to make that trade. Correct. Um, all right. Back to the Red Wings though. The Derek Lalonde is in his first year. Granted, he does have Bob Bugner, who is his assistant coach, who has had coaching experience amongst Alex Tangay and others. When you look at, what the Red Wings are going through this season. And, you know, despite the struggles they've had lately, the five on fives, not clicking the power play and penalty kill our lower half of the league. They are on pace for like almost, I think 10 or 11 more points than last season to hit that over under uh, of 85. And that's a huge improvement from last year, but it doesn't necessarily feel like it night in and night out. What have you seen? from this team on the ice that you could attribute to the coaching staff successes or failures? Well, well, the system, I mean, it's almost the same as from Tampa, right? Uh, he, he didn't change much. Yeah. So it's just kind of copying the blueprint, cut the top type stuff. Uh, we're trying to force harder passes. So I think they've done an overall like nice job. Um, you're seeing players take steps forward in their development there's nothing that screams like, man, this is a terrible coaching staff or they're getting in the way of their players. Uh, there's so much nuance in the game other than the big, you know, how do they play things? Uh, then it's just how do they develop actual talent? Like I'm, I live in Columbus. So let me tell you, I have very little confidence in the development staff here to actually develop as has been shown in a lot of players that have come through here. Like I would have put Cole Sillinger in the AHL by now. Um, and now, now we're seeing Fisher's literally losing his hair over there. On, uh, <laughs> Uncalled how, for, but okay. How terrible this is. It's just terrible. No, you're no, right. But like, but, but like, correct. But like the, the, the Red Wings actually have a process, you know, they call it the Iser plan all day long, but honestly, it's, it's a full organization buy-in. You can feel like even when Sean Horkoff talks about it, we're not rushing anyone here. Like everyone knows the row they're in the seat they should be in and executing on it so uh for me just understanding where you are as staff as a group of players that you're needing to develop i think they're doing a nice job you're not seeing anyone rushed in the roles they're not ready for yet they're, they're slowly giving guys opportunities uh in different spots and for me i absolutely love bergeron and how he's been eased in the lineup like he started in but they weren't like easing him into the second power play and you're like immediately boom like you're going to be good at this 
rather than start on the fourth line and work your way up. So I, I got to say, I think I've done a pretty nice job. Nice. One of the the big thing, I mean, we talked about, you know, the Iser plan and the current system and all that. Um, within this fan base, I think people are starting to get less and less patient with everything. And you said, like, you know, the front office and, and the organization as a whole is in a we're not rushing anybody mindset. But, um, like, pressure will continue to rise, obviously, because that's just how fans work. And um, I, I guess my point is just when is not like, you know, ultimatum like at what date is it too long but what step next year do you think is needed for or maybe do you expect is honestly the better question what do you expect this organization to to accomplish next season and and i guess going forward uh i don't think you're like one player away right like there's for sure no way how you're gonna jump someone in right so you're thinking about expectations you'd like to be in a playoff hunt of some capacity where you're really fighting for something, but realistically it's probably another two years before you're truly getting to a point where you're feeling the heat of like, okay, we have the horses. It's time to let them free. Hmm. So it's a matter of like, what is the missing piece? How do you go about it? Are you shipping out first rounders? Like you're definitely not at this point, right? Cause you're not feeling we're just on the cusp of boom. We're there. Right. So, for, for me, realistic expectations saying, okay, we're going to take another step. We're going to be a little more competitive. We're not ready to sell the team away, like the future of the team away. Let's continue to build where we're going to have a long stretch of time where we've built up the prospect pool. We've got depth through the organization where we, if we need to go acquire someone today, we've got the young assets to do so. So I think it's it's similar to Tampa. You look at what they did is they trade a lot of young players away eventually when they started hitting that window where you're like, okay, it's time to go. But first you got to build up the depth so you can make those, those moves and those trades. And, and that's most important. I want to get back to the players. Um, we talked about some of your biggest surprises or guys that you really liked. Who do you think on the Red Wings roster is the biggest, I won't say un- a disappointment, but biggest underachiever, underperformer uh, as of right now, halfway through the season? Well, for me, on any team that he's on, uh, Oli Mata, just uh, he's not in. Uh, from I don't know, I, I watch him and I'm like, I don't think he's an NHLer right now. Like this is this is rough. Uh, so, but he he's an easy beating, you know, beat, beat a dead horse on that one. See, that's really interesting because when he was paired with Philip Peronik, you know, their numbers analytically they were the best pair on the team when Sider was paired with Sherratt, and I don't know. Ever since they broke that pair up, you're right. Olimata's play, at least analytically speaking, Corsi four expected for goals four percentage stuff like that. I mean, and even his like basic stats, obviously like plus minus stuff like that, have really taken a huge hit. So, you know, do you chop that up to? That's just him as a player. They were playing so well because they just they gelled well. Like what what is going on with Olimata? Because Scotty and I were actually. Um, we don't mind Olimata. We kind of been liking him, although, like you said, the defense is so shallow that you don't have a lot of choose to choose from. What about Olimata's game? Do you think is just like that? You don't like him that much, I guess, is the best way to put it. <laughs> Unimpressed. Uh, yeah, yeah. Just watch the game, and you know, every once in a while, you're like, that. That was just really awful. Like that was a terrible decision. <laughs> this was like a catastrophic mistake. Um, he just, he has the bad decision bug. Uh, I'm not sure how you get off of that and 
maybe I'm still seeing him in Pittsburgh, even though he won some cups. Like he was just an absolute sieve for odd man rushes constantly. Like teams are targeting him on his side. Cause like the other guy's much better. I'm going to go this direction on the dump in, or I'm going to locate a puck over there. So he's, he's, yeah, I just don't see any upside there. Uh, any value you think you can get out of him, good. But he's, for me, an AHL type guy, or maybe try your luck over in Europe. Um, it's just really, for me, it's just kind of like a fill in guy waiting. And you, you think you, like every team, I feel like sees him as the first round pick that he was. And it's like, no, not at all. Like he arrived early in the league and you always struggled. Scott, you got anything else? Um, I don't think so. I do have one more question then uh, on Tyler Bertuzzi, who has been injured three times this season, broke both of his hands, and he just came off a day-to-day injury. I think it was hamstring, groin, something along those lines. They never actually tell you. But he, he production-wise, hasn't been there in the 17 games he has played. And it feels like, and Scotty and I talked about this last night, it feels as if he is trying too hard to replicate his success rather than just let it coming to him naturally by playing his game. What have you seen from Tyler Bertuzzi and uh, granted his limited playing time this season where it's just not clicking on the stat sheet. He's a good habits in the right spot type thing, but he really doesn't have the high end talent to, to really run with like a Dylan Larkin type, but he does, he does all the right things. He's kind of like a Gus Nyquist type. Like you see him, he's going to the right spots. He's making it a little easier on his teammates, but him personally being able to produce points, maybe he's a little bit of more of a stretch, but like he'll be the guy in the corner getting the puck. Then it goes D to D down the wall and then to the middle for a goal. And it's like, oh, he's kind of the fifth guy to touch the puck, but he started the the whole play himself. So for me, it's kind of like he's that digger, good grinder on a third line. Uh, the fact that you got to push him up to a first line, obviously shows you're probably not a contender. Uh, but overall, I mean, like he's an effective player out there getting things done, moving the play along. You would think in, in a huge market like Toronto, he'd be like the thankless hero. Uh, <laughs> so I feel like that that's where he should be. That's his rightful place uh, on a championship team. But you can't uh, say that too loudly. You cannot say that too loudly. I know podcast, it's Greg. It's our, rough. Our, it's rough. Our YouTube commenters will come after you saying that he needs to go to Toronto. <laughs> no, no, it shouldn't go there. Shouldn't go there. Terrible. Oh, yeah, yeah. There you go. But, but from like just where, where you want to be from a roster depth where you're actually winning a lot off more often. Uh, he's, he's a great role guy does the right work. Uh, high end creativity's definitely not to the point where you're like, okay, he's there or like, he's the guy who's going to ride shotgun. On, on a high performing unit, but no, he's, he's an effective player. Uh, definitely wouldn't pay him anything over $4 million. So UFA in a couple of months. So there you go. The yes or no answer. Is he gone at the deadline? If I'm running the team, it's, it's a yes, but I'm not running the team. There you go. That's all I needed. I just wanted your, your perspective. Yeah, um, as, long, as long as Marco Casper finds his way to the team in the next two <laughs> years. Oh, I want to talk about that guy all day. That well, guy is good. We missed her. Okay, we'll have to have you back then <laughs> so we can talk about Marco Casper because we got it. We got to wrap it up here. Um, Greg, thank you for joining us. Really yeah, appreciate it. Appreciated your insight on some of those players because you you got you you're a much more nuanced um, and insightful 
watcher of the game than Scotty and I are, admittedly. Uh, so that was it was great having that extra insight. Appreciate you. Tell the people where they can find you and how they can listen and read your stuff. Yeah, it's real easy. Just search Hockey IQ and then throw either newsletter or podcast behind it and you'll find it. Um, really active on Twitter. So at Coach Revac, R-E-V-A-K. You can find me there. Uh, the rest is just beauty falling along, like breaking down plays, tape, all that. So if you want to get smarter about the game, look at a little bit more nuance and the details that are a little less obvious than just getting pucks deep and going harder than that. Uh, yeah, check out the Hockey IQ newsletter mm-hmm. and podcast. Can you make me a better men's league player? Absolutely. Okay. So if you go, if you go adult. So league, what Brian's not telling you is that he has a chronic shoulder injury where if he's touched, it's going to pop out of its socket. <laughs> so literally dislocated it on two. Now that you know it. that is the answer still. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. I, I actually, it was like one of my first pieces. It was uh adult league score less or score more suck less. So if you look up score I, that's more what I need. Suck less, adult league, it'll come up on Google. Oh my God. Greg's a saint sent Brian, for series too. that can't get through three periods without popping his shoulder out of his side. I made it, so made that, it through this 55 is minutes. That this first is five minutes is going to be amazing though. <laughs> <laughs> Let's go. All right, Greg, thank you so much for joining us. We're going to now have you on again. Um, Scotty, you and I will be back tomorrow. Uh, probably start to start doing some mid season grades for these players. Um, who were we given an F to? Well, I don't know. Maybe not anyone. We'll never know with us. It's all over the place. I mean, there's definitely. I don't know, man. I feel like there's definitely. I don't fun. know. We'll see. Dylan Martin's <laughs> been fun. Uh, final thoughts, Scotty? We've all. There it is. We'll be back tomorrow. Same time, same place. It's your team every day. Every day. <laughs>